Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world and presented by Diadem Tennis, our newest partner here at Cracked Rackets. We are so thrilled to be working with them moving into the future. Look, people who play tennis know your racket is everything. It's the Harry Potter equivalent of your wand. It's exactly made, exactly fit, exactly selected for you. You want to play with a racket that's going to bring out the best of your game, the location, if that's what you're into, placement, spin, power. All of these different things factor into a tennis racket in which a player chooses to use. And that's why we are so thrilled to be joining with Diadem. We think their rackets, their string technology, as good as anyone in the business, uh, players like Carousel, Sekou Bangora, guys we know so well from their college successes, already trusting it and using it on the Pro Tour. And we think you listeners will enjoy using it as well. If you use our promo code CR50, you will get 50% off your first Diadem purchase. So, you know, not only are you going to be looking good, you're going to be playing good, but you're going to be saving money as well. We know how expensive between rackets, strings, and you know grips, all the different things can add up. So 50% off by using our promo code CR50 at their website. That being said, you know, welcome to the mini break. It, today is Thursday, January 23rd, another day of Australian Open coverage in the books. Uh, it was our first normal scheduled day. No rain delays, no, or I suppose there were rain delays, but they got through everything, I believe. No uh, held up matches from the previous day's schedule. So it was just simply some delicious third round tennis. And of course, that's what we are going to be talking about today. If you listeners can't tell, the audio quality slightly off my microphone just decided to have one of those days where it's like, look, we got a hard two weeks ahead of me. You're not going to get to use me today. I'm sorry I'm taking the day off. If you want to record, just use your computer mic. So that's what I'm going to be doing today. Now, because I have to use my computer night uh, mic, we will not be joined until later in the podcast to preview day five and give our takes on the first two rounds uh, by Jamie McDonald. That pod or that part of the podcast will come at the end. Uh, so, be, you know, you never want to shut Jamie out. It's more the technical difficulties. And as always, shout out to the super producers, Westoff and Fleetner, for working through those things. That being said, we will never leave you listeners high and dry, particularly when it's one of those eight weeks of the year when we're all locked into some Grand Slam tennis. So that's where we're going to start. Let's talk about today's action, and I think the match we have to start with. Another night, another young American male bringing their best. The number 29 seed, Taylor Fritz, uh, knocking off unseeded Kevin Anderson, 4-6-6-7-7-6-6-2-6-2. Let's start here. Not only does Taylor Fritz come back from two sets to love down, but Going into this match, you look at our draw breakdowns and just the general vibe from the tennis community. This was an early upset pick, justifiably so. Kevin Anderson 
much more experienced at the Grand Slams, a former top five player, a former Grand Slam finalist, a guy who looked really good throughout his beginning, you know, his comeback from injury. He's now working with Diego Maiano. He put together a couple of good wins at the ATP Cup. You contrast that with Taylor Fritz, who has not looked uh, good thus far in the 2020 season. And of course, we talked about all of those things on our mini breaks heading into this year's Australian Open. Uh, Anderson, probably the slight favorite, and that he went up to Seth Slove. It's a testament to his first serve, his game when it clicks. He's just so powerful, so overwhelming. It doesn't matter who you are. It's hard to handle. And yet the story of this match is Taylor Fritz's perseverance. Again, he comes back from two sets to love down in this match. He makes 63% of his first serve wins 80% of those points, 71% of his second serve. He's only broken uh, twice on three breakpoint chances for Anderson. I mean, Fritz played lights out tennis. And I will say Anderson's level, I mean, you can tell he's still coming back from injury that last set, set and a half. His level really started to decline. It was a fitness thing. You look for Anderson, 65 winners against 54 unforced errors. A lot of those unforced errors came during the back half of the match. He started pressing 38 of 60 at the net, but that that number decreased as the match went along. But for Taylor Fritz, I mean, he was rock solid. 55 winners, 27 unforced errors, only 13 of 18 at the net. And uh, that's obviously something to be concerned about moving forward because a guy with his serve, a guy who can generate as much pace as he does at any given moment from the baseline, uh, you would like to see that sort of player move forward more end points quickly. Uh, but look, I fell in love with Taylor Fritz this offseason after watching his tw- Road to 2020 video on the ATP YouTube feed. I recommend all of those Road to 2020 videos if you haven't watched them. Dominic Team breaking a little news himself, saying he th- he's convinced 2020 is going to be the year we see a new Grand Slam champion. So at a minimum, those videos are worth seeing that. But for Fritz, he took advantage of an Anderson uh, shaky second serve. Anderson only... 21 of 54 on second serve points. It's a 39% conversion rate. Fritz created 14 breakpoint chances for himself against Kevin Anderson. 14. I know Anderson's coming back from injury, but to do that against a 6'8 player, create 14 break chances for yourself, it's a testament that when Taylor Fritz gets a clean look at the ball, there's few players in tennis who can do more with it than he can. And look, you look at the advanced stats in this match, they play to his favor as well. Taylor Fritz, so good from the forehand side in this one. 16 winners, 15, uh, 13 forced errors against only 14 unforced errors for a plus 15 ratio. Four winners, eight forced errors on the backhand against only five unforced errors. So he's plus seven on both of those wings. I mean, look, he forced uh, Anderson into drop shots. He forced Anderson into being, un- not into drop shots, excuse me, into being uncomfortable, into, you know, trying to force his way into the net. He really focused on going after that Anderson backhand because the Anderson forehand still explosive in this one. 18 winners, 14 unforced errors against 28 unforced errors for Anderson on that side. And again, shout out to this Australian Open for these and these InfoStats Plus for really helping make these breakdowns more thorough. Look, that's a lot of what we saw Fritz going after that Anderson backhand, waiting for the sitter, ultimately turning on it and producing a winner or an unreturnable shot. And so this is a really good performance for Taylor Fritz. He's now going to take on Dominic Team, a guy he's seen before in the latter half of a major. It's Fritz's third uh, third round or later appearance at a major. He saw Team when he did it in 2018 at the U.S. Open, losing in a really close three-set match, a match I remember well from our time uh or close four-set match, excuse me, a pod, a match we had on our pod. I also remember their first encounter, which happened 
I believe at the U.S. Open the year before, that was a second-round match, but another four-set affair. So, look, Taylor Fritz got, has the serve to give Dominic team troubles now. Team's going to be seven feet behind the baseline as well, so the inclination for Fritz to move forward will be there. Uh, it's just going to be a question of if he can execute, because if he does everything else as well as he did in this match against Anderson, there's no reason he, you know, like his contemporary Tommy Paul, can't continue to advance in this tournament. And, and just a quick thing on that, for Taylor Fritz, you know, He's never going to be the athlete that a Tommy Paul is. He's never going to be the athlete that a Francis Tiafo, a Michael Moa, you know, a, even a Diego Schwartzman, just all these different guys who move so well and make their game so predicated on that movement. Uh, Taylor Fritz isn't like that. The explosion and side-to-side agility isn't his thing, but if you give Taylor Fritz a clean look at the ball, again, there are a few ball strikers more pure, more natural than Fritz, and it's the forehand wing, the backhand wing, the slingshot of a serve, Really good performance for Fritz, and not to take anything away from Kevin Anderson, who, again, still coming back from injury for him to go the distance here, get a win under his belt. That bodes well for him moving forward, but phenomenal win for Taylor Fritz. Uh, Really big moment for him. Again, first early rounds is when you begin to differentiate yourself. You win first, second round matches at slams. Each and every time you're at a slam, that's how you solidify yourself in the top 50, and Taylor Fritz already in that top 50, but... There's no doubt he belongs there, and we'll continue to see him move forward, I think, as this 2020 season progresses. Someone else who we're excited to see move forward this season after just two tumultuous years of dealing with injuries and nonsense, you know, losing confidence, going in and out of form. CeCe Bellis, who we had the, the fortune of talking to on our podcast last at the end of last season, right as she was completing her rehab process for her wrist. Uh, me and Vicki Duvall had the opportunity to speak with her, so if you haven't listened to that, go check that out. But, I mean, CeCe's story... Very well known at this point. This is someone who has been inside the WTA top 40, someone who has won matches at slams many times before in her career. And at the age of 21, you know, a couple of months ago, found herself contemplating whether she's going to be able to even play the sport again, which is someone with someone with her potential, someone who's winning Grand Slam matches so young, so early in her career. You know, before there was Goff, Anisimova, Kennan, all these people, there was Bellis. And for her to do what she did today, not only win her first round match, but then in this match against the number 20 seed, Carolina Mukva, a straight set 6-4, 6-4 victory. I mean, what a feel-good story. There's so many feel-good stories in this Australian Open. The Wozniacki retirement, even Carlos Suarez Navarro winning her first-round match 6-6. Six and six. CeCe Bell is here coming back from injury. Kevin Anderson coming back from injury. The first slam of the season is so fun because it's filled with so much optimism, right? You continue to see the best-case scenario for all of these players as it plays out. And look, if CeCe Bells carries this level of tennis throughout the rest of her 2020, she'll be back inside that WTA top 50. She'll be right back up there in the rankings with all of her contemporaries. And deservedly so. There's so many talented 21 and you know younger plus players right now. And she belongs in that discussion. You look at what she did today against Mukva. She makes 70% of her first serves, wins 70% of those points, 59% of the second serve points. Holds Mukova to 8 of 23 on that second serve. 12 winners against 18 unforced errors. She just played a really solid, well-rounded match. She let Mukova beat herself. Mukova, 24 winners against 31 unforced errors. Uh, you look at the high-level stats in this one. I mean, for Bellis, plus 3 on the forehand ground stroke, plus 1 on the backhand ground stroke. She was just really solid. Whereas you look at for, Von, uh, for Mukova, excuse me, minus 5 on both the backhand and forehand in terms of uh, winners and forced errors versus unforced errors she committed. It was just a well-rounded match, and 
Look for CeCe Bellis now. You look at her draw, where she's at, who she's going to have to match up with. She's going to match up with a number 16, Elise Mertens. Now, in Elise Mertens, you get a player who, you know, age-wise, uh, a, little, a little bit older, obviously a little bit more experienced uh, than the young CeCe Bellis. But Mertens is 24 years old. I mean, her career really got started at the same time as CeCe Bellis all of those years ago. And you talk about slam pedigree. I mean, CeCe Bellis must just be enjoying the ride. Mertens a seed here. There's a little bit more pressure on her. You know, the the ceiling is the is the sky for CeCe Bellis. And, you know, hopefully she can just stay healthy, maintain this level of talent because this level of play, because talk about a talented ball striker. I mean, yeah, again, watching her play, you were reminded of why she was so successful so early in her career because she's such a talented young player. And again, a great 6-4-6-4 upset win for her here over Carolina Mukova. Talk about another young player who was on the precipice of upset. Mikhail Yimmer, the young Swedish player, a guy we talked about a bunch. Uh, he beat Tiafo in the week leading up to this. He made a, he was at the Next Gen Finals last year. So much challenger success for him in 2019. Really getting his first big shot at a seed in a slam. And he gave the number 16 seed, Karen Hachanov, Kachanov, as we affectionately like to say on this podcast, all he could in a five-set thriller. Hachanov scraping out a 6-2, 2-6, 6-4, 3-6, 7-6, 10-8 in the fifth set breaker win over Yimmer. Uh, just quickly on this match, because for Mikhail Yimmer, the forehand, the backhand, the firepower, electric. I mean, talk about a great athlete as well, a guy who's fearless in the big moments and really played Hatchinov well. New Hatchinov, if you get to the backhand side, he's going to give you chances to attack. New to get Hatchinov on the run, get that forehand stretched to produce shanks because as powerful as the Hatchinov forehand can be, as great of a mover and physically gifted as he is, you get him on the run, you force him to hit passing shots, that's when the mistakes come. And look, Yimmer played a really solid match. Now, the first serve power was lacking, I think. Uh, you know, he made 65% of his first serve, only won 58% of those points, 42% of his second serve points. But he was all over the Hatchinov second serve, holding Karen to 22 of 59, 37% on those points. You look at the winner unforced air ratio, both of these guys, 50 winners for Hatch, uh, 50 winners for Yimmer, 62 for Hatchinov, 59 unforced airs for Yimmer, 71 for Hatchinov. I mean, this was a really close match. And in fact, you look at the total points, is as close as it can get. 176 to 176. Mikhail Yimmer was right there to win this match. He even came to the net well, 45 of 67 on those net points, 67% conversion rating. Again, putting the pressure on Hatchinov to come up with a pass when he has those big ground stroke backswings. Hatchinov did a good job moving forward as well, 32 of 57%. It was clear Hatchinov was frustrated with his level. Really, these past, you know, since Indian Wells last year, he just has not been playing his best tennis. And he made a little mention of that on social media saying how appreciative he is of the support despite him not playing his best. Uh, but look for Karen Hatchinoff. You'll take the win, right? And now he gets the third round marquee matchup we've all been looking forward to when he takes on uh, Nick Kyrgios in his third round. But for Hatchinoff, Really good win for him. I, I mean, these are the sort of wins, again, third round at the Australian Open. You win those first two matches. You get to put yourself in a position to make the second week. That's how you sustain a top 20 ranking. That's how you work your way inside that top 10 back towards a year-end finals goal for Karen Hatchinov, who must see the success of Andre Rublev and Neil Medvedev and be like, hey, guys, like I did this first. Like What the hell? Like No cuts. 
No cuts, no butts, no coconuts. You know the rules. I, I was the one who was supposed to be the big breakout star by now. And, of course, it's a testament to Medvedev and Rublev that a top 20 player like Karen Hatchinov hasn't gotten, um, or just, it's not that he's gotten lost, let's be clear, just doesn't get, uh, per, or just isn't, I mean, it's just a testament to Medvedev and Rublev. I don't even know the point I'm trying to make. What I'm trying to say is for Karen Hatchinov, another great win for him here as he advances to the third round and fights off upsets. Speaking of upsets, let's go through those real quickly. You look on the day, not too many seeds knocked off, only three total, uh, two of the women, one men. It was that Mukova knocked off by CeCe Bellis. Putin Seva also gets revenge over Danielle Collins, who blew her out early in the season. Uh, Putin Seva ends up taking a three-set decider, 6-4, 2-6, over Collins, who, after looking as good as she did these first two weeks, you don't want to say it was a dark horse pick to win this thing, but as a semifinalist last year, she was certainly someone a lot of people could have seen doing damage at this event. Now, you know, for Daniel Collins, I would argue it's she played so well these past two weeks. It's almost hard to do that for three, four weeks in a row unless you are the number one player in the world. And so 7-5 in the third, that's a really close match. I mean, you know, Collins was right there as well, but Credit to Putin saving. Now, you look at the women's side, and I'll talk about this with Jamie in a little bit, but Kanta Vandrusova, Anisimova, Steven, Sevastova, Striskova, Sabalenka, Yastremska, Martic, Mukova, and Collins now. The seeds that we've lost heading into this third round, and I have to say, not too many title contenders amongst that bunch. Maybe a, a red-hot Sabalenka. You know, people love Amanda Anisimova, but that's probably the only person we've lost thus far that I really thought had a shot at winning this title, so... You know, it's going to be a really fun last couple, last five rounds on the women's side. So many talented players still left in the field. On the men's side, same deal. Only one seed down today. It was Nicholas Basilashvili, the number 26 seed, who's knocked off by Fernando Verdasco in four sets. Basilashvili now joining Sanga, Shapovalov, FAA, Chorich, Pear, Evans, Herkatch, Berrettini, Dimitrov. I don't hear any time. I mean... I guess, unless it's Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, I guess, is there really a title contender outside of that is what some of you might say. Uh, but I feel like we're in a really good place heading into this, you know, third round and then second week because we have such, you know, the, our most talented players. We're going to get a lot of the matchups we all wanted to see heading into this one. And look, in terms of three to five set battles thus far, uh, not quite upsets, but for Conteve, she staved off uh a three-set battle against Soribes, Tormo, 6-1 in the third, Muguruza, Diaz, also three-set winners over Tom Janovic and Blinkova, respectively. We had a bunch of men's, uh, men's top seeds escape upset today. Three five-set battles for three of our top 15 seeds. Dominic team overcoming what really was more Alex Bolt just taking the ball off his racket. Alex Bolt's coming up with a phenomenal level of tennis in sets two and three. And if anyone's seen the lefty Australian play, he can slap winners with the best of them. He did just that against team, uh, but team ended up rallying back, showing his off his maturity. I think this is a loss he would have taken a couple of years ago, but after the confidence he gained on a hard court in 2019, he fights off both for a 6-2-5-7-6-7-6-1-6-2 win. Uh, Gofan and Air Bear. Uh, for Gofan, different sort of story. He went up two sets to love on Air Bear. Air Bear fights back. Ultimately, Gofan 6-3 in the fifth set there. For Stan Wawrinka, a back-and-forth affair against Andrea Seppi, and Andrea Seppi, a guy who absorbs power so well. I call him the Italian Tommy Paul. Uh, that's not true. That was off the top of the head, but 
Style-wise, both all-court players. They have, you know, a lot of things they both do very well on the court. They certainly do, don't do many things that poorly. A Wawrinka steading the storm, you know, ends up with a 4-6, 7-6, 6-3, 3-6, victory for his uh, to advance to the third round for him. Uh, Going to be a really fun, again, third round all the way throughout that we will talk about in, with Jamie McDonald in a little bit. But you look at the rest of the results. Let's run through the women's real quick. Um, in terms of the top seeds, all of the top nine, uh, other than the seeds we've mentioned, none of the other seeds dropped a set. Pliskova threw in straight sets. Uh, Simone Halep in straight. Svitolina in straight. Benchich 5-5 five and five over a really fun match with Yelena Ostapenko. Uh, the number nine seed, Burtons, 3-5 and five over Rodianova. Mertens over Watson in straights. Kerber over Hahn. Vekic over Cornet. Anastasia Pevlchenkova last year's semifinalist knocks off a dangerous Taylor Townsend, 7-5, seven, 7-6. Seven, Iga Swatik, the incredibly talented young Polish player, uh, knocks out Carla Suarez-Navarro in her final Australian. Open three and five, and then Georgie straight sets over Kuznetsova. So fairly routine for a lot of those top seeds. Pliskova helps Vitalita Bencic. I mean, those are your title contenders, and they have all looked the part thus far. You look on the men's side, same deal. Another day, another uh, round. Rafa Nadal does not drop a set. He knocks off Del Bonus in straights. Medvedev, Zverev, Rublev, Isner, all straight set winners as seed. Uh, Alex Zverev was up 5-3 in that third set against Jerzymov. Almost blew it. He got broken and they went to 5-all, but ended up closing that one out 7-5. For Andre Rublev, uh, you know, it's almost... Same situation as Danielle Collins. You have to wonder how much more does he have left in the tank these first three weeks. He has put been on the tennis court so often, and hey, he's what twenty two years old. There's probably nothing else he'd rather be doing, nor nothing else he's built to be doing right now. But really good result for him again, just to keep seeing him play this well. And we're in a really good position. If you like, want to see these next gen players battle in the later stages of slams, we might finally get a chance to see just that. Uh, the two seeds who lost sets right now, uh, Gael Monfils, Nick Kyrgios, four set uh, winners over for Monfils, Ivo Karlovic, despite battling injury. Uh, for Nick Kyrgios, four sets over Jill Simone, 6-2, Things finally got a little bit testy for him. Uh, he was chirping at his box for the first time un- while under probation. Uh, but it was really mature of him. Uh, again, a moment of him finding his stride that after the match, he said, no, what I was talking to my box, that's unacceptable. They're there to support me all the time. And maybe that's a little bit of lip service, but that's the sort of lip service he would have never given in the past. So we will take it. And that's really day four. Really fun place we're at right now with the Australian Open. Obviously, third round matches and when things start to get really, really juicy. Uh, we've also got, after the first two rounds, a lot of takes to discuss. And I will be doing just that with Jamie McDonald. When we come back, you're listening to the mini break brought to you by Dietin. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. 
Joining me now to preview day five at the Australian Open and give our takes on the first two rounds, you know him as the co-host of these mini-break podcasts, the former Denison men's tennis superstar, and of course a man I affectionately refer to as James Foster McDonald. Jamie, welcome back to the mini-break podcast. Appreciate it. Good to be back with you. Good to talk some more Australian Open. We talked about making this the mini lunch break. That's what this has turned into due to some technical difficulties. So unfortunately, you weren't able to join me for our day four recap. Just real quickly, any any quick, you get 30 seconds. Give me your thoughts on day four. Oh, boy. Uh, the five setters were good. Um, seeds, for the most part, are looking all right. American men in a good spot. And uh, Jill Simone, myself, got a set off curio. So good job. That's it. <laughs> I have to say that was pretty succinct well done you brought up the seeds this will be my question to you and then we'll preview day five on the women's side thus far Kanta, Vandrusova, Anisimova, Stevens, Sevastova, Striskova, Sabalenka, Yastremska, Martic, Collins, and Mukova have now lost any of those names someone you expected or maybe thought had a shot to win or not really surprised you thus far on the women's side um that we've not already covered the only one out there um actually no all the ones that we've that have lost i actually i think we've already covered the other ones not as surprising yeah collins losing today i talked about it in the day four recap yeah that little surprising but i didn't think any of these players that have lost so far were going to win same question men's side uh only one seed added today to the pile so basilishvili to the group of songa shapoval faa chorch pair evans Hercatch, berrettini dimitrov anyone in that group oh probably just berrettini for me that i'm surprised to see him out before the second week yeah, um, Basilis really not really to Verdasco, perhaps. I think that's actually a really good win for Verdasco, especially not even five sets, a four-setter. Um, but no, not terribly surprising that Basilis really is not still in. I was hearing from sources on the ground, those guys hit the ball so hard, they were switching balls every four games. They're just like, we, we can't use these anymore. This is just unacceptable. Yeah, dude, they rock the ball. That's a fun one to imagine. That's also a really fun one if they're on an outside court with the camera like right behind them instead of, you know, like the arena-style camera because you get a much better feel for how physical and how hard they actually are hitting the ball. So always love that. But that's yeah. another conversation. Yeah, and the good news is we'll get to see those guys, you know, or at least Fernando Verdasco, bash the ball in this third round. And that's what I want to do with you now. Let's preview the first half of our third round action, which our listeners will be able to see tonight on the East Coast, or at least those of you listeners in the States. Uh, a lot of really good matches. Third round, Jamie, is where things certainly get interesting. You have a lot of seeds matching up with one another for the first time. For the top seeds, it's, you know, sometimes the first test they'll really face. Although if you're Carolina Pliskova, you're like, I got Mladenovic first round and now I have to play another seed. Like, are you kidding me? But I suppose that's a story for another time. We also have some prime time matchups as well. Uh, let's start with the seeds I have on Upset Alert. And I want you to call, you know, an abridged version of crazy or possible, uh, you know, possible or Alex, you're effing crazy. Uh, let's start with the women's side. I have four seeds on Upset Alert tonight. I think the number one seed, Ash. Ashley Barty is going to get all she can handle in the number 29 seed, Elena Rybakina, who has won a WTA title already in 2020, I think made the final the week before that. I think Ekaterina Alexandrova, who also won a title early this year, has Petra Kvitova on upset alert. If Maria Sakari beat Madison Keys, I don't know if that's really an upset, but seating wise it is. And then Julia Gerges taking on the number 18, Allison Risk. I have that as four seeds on upset alert. Fair? Possible? What do you think? Yeah, I think, honestly, it's crazy, but, like, I feel like all of those seats are on upset alert, honestly. Um, I mean, you, you, you think, especially when we're talking about the first half of them, um, or at least, let's call it a half of a half, the ones to go on earlier in the day as opposed to the end. The only one, really, I'm not selecting is Serena, even, I mean, she's playing mm-hmm. the 27th seed, 
Um, so you definitely expect her to come through there. But yeah, I mean, you list all of those. Definitely some danger, particularly you you mentioned um, risk. I think there's a risk there. Hey, great shot to me. Just getting called out. Um, and then in the Battle of the Ovas, Alexandrova and Kvitova, I think that's fair as well, because we saw some struggles with Kvitova a bit in the previous round. I still think that she could win, but yeah, definitely upset alert. Fair. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. And again, I'll throw in a hey, great shot as well, because no risk, no reward, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I would say, again, Keys, Sakari, their level over the past 12 months has been fairly similar. Uh, I just think Keys has the Grand Slam experience, and that's why she gets the slight edge in my, or the pedigree, excuse me. So that's why she gets the slight edge in my book. Uh, but yeah, I think that's fair. I think all of those matches, if you see the lower seeded player or Julia Gerges in this case winning, that shouldn't shock any of our listeners. I also think it's great that we have those four matches and none of them are the primetime match on the women's side. I think the one everyone is looking forward to, the rematch from the U.S. Open, number three seed Naomi Osaka taking on the young 15-year-old American Coco Goff. Uh, preview on that, Jamie, your thoughts. you think Goff having the experience of the first round comes in? And I, I think she certainly will perform better tonight. That being said, Naomi Osaka has looked great, and I think she's still a prohibitive favorite in this one. Yeah, I think Osaka is the favorite, but um, you, you got to understand too. There's so many people now in the crowd who are going to be pulling for Coco Golf because they love the story and they've sort of fallen in love with her um, as a character on the tour. So she's going to have that sort of support. She's not going to be as afraid of the stage, given you know the fact that she's gone through this. She's already played Osaka on a stage like this, so I think she's going to be in a better spot. Yes, Osaka is still the favorite. Yeah, I, I just think the firepower. They're, the only times Coco Golf looks her age is when people blast serves at her body or just hit a forehand that overwhelms her ground strokes. And again, she is 15 years old. Like You're allowed to be overwhelmed by power when you're 15 years old. You're not fully mature yet. But Naomi Osaka is going to be bringing all of the power Golf can handle. Just a reminder, in their first match, third round U.S. Open, uh, Osaka, a 6-3, 6-love winner over to Coco Golf. I would say, you know, you know, anything above that is a win for Coco Gauff. And I, I expect this to be in like the three and three, three and four range, right? I mean, yeah, it could be closer, uh, but that's not a bad, you know, if you're, if you're talking about betting lines and going for a specific score, yeah, three and four is not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, although again, risky stuff. I, if, anyone out there, you just should feel shady if you're betting on a 15-year-old's match. That's just, that's a little much for anyone. But all right, let's flip gears here. Let's look at the men's side. Here are the four men's seed I have on potential upset alert. And again, you can tell me the degree to which any of these would be upsets or not. I have Tsitsipas versus number 32 seed Rayonich. I just think matchup-wise, I'm not saying Tsitsipas is going to lose, but I'm saying there's a scenario certainly where Rayonich is just blasting serves, overwhelming that Tsitsipas one-handed backhand, picking off easy first volleys, uh, and can take the match there. I also think Dusan the Deuce Lajevic has looked so good at the beginning of this season. If he takes out the number 14 seed Diego Schwartzman in an all-seeded battle, I don't know how big of an upset is. That's the key Sakari on the on the men's side. Same realm, Guido Pea versus the 12 seed Fabio Fognini. Under most scenarios, Fognini losing a hard-court match to Pea would be weird, but let's keep in mind Fognini played 10 sets over the first three days of this tournament. You got to wonder how much gas is left in that tank. And then Marin Chilich versus the number nine seed, Roberto Bautista. I think just pedigree wise, Chilich winning that match, no one would be shocked. No one would be shocked. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I mean, I think Chilich has got a really good shot. And, you know, he looks solid, already has a really tough win under his belt. So he's showing that grit already. Wouldn't be surprised if he was able to take out the nine seed RBA there. Um, good point to agree with 
execute on Fognini in the payout match. Schwartzman, the deuce, I expect Schwartzman to come out on top of that one. I think there's a little bit more separation between those two than, than maybe you described, just in my mind anyway. I think Schwartzman's looked really good. He looked phenomenal in that win over Davidovich Fokina. Um, so I think he's going to be coming into that match in pretty good form. But you're right, the deuce has looked good. Um, fair point on Sitsipas Raonic. I still expect Sitsipas to come through on that, just given the level we've seen from him as of late. But yeah, I mean, I, I think those are spot on. Maybe in context, these results look a little worse. But at the ATP Cup, just a reminder, the deuce knocks off Hatchinov, FAA, Nikolas Jari, who has been knocked out himself by taking uh, eating the wrong type of meats, according to him. Uh, Lloyd Harris, uh, he beat in three sets. Harris made the final of an ATP event. He lost in straights to uh, Roberto Bautista. Gooden lost in three to Benoit Pair. I, I, I agree with you. I, I, Schwartzman, probably still the slight favorite. I don't know what the over-under is game-wise, but if this one goes the distance, it should surprise no one. I don't think either of the guys have lost a set thus far in the tournament. Uh, so really high-level match there. One match I didn't bring up that it's not upset alert, but I just think it's if you're into long baseline physical tennis, you're going to really enjoy this match. The Djokovic-Nishioka one. Any whiff of an upset alert for you there, or you think it's routine for Novak? It's going to be really hard, just given the sort of weapons that Nishioka either, well, let's just say doesn't have, um, especially from the ground. It's going to be difficult. I mean, I think there's going to be some long grueling points that Nishioka comes out on top of, but talking about being able to win long grueling points, you're playing the master of that in, in Novak Djokovic. So it's going to be really difficult stylistically here because in a lot of ways, Djokovic, you know, is doing the same thing as Nishioka, just at a higher level. So going to be a really difficult match for Nishioka to win. But, you know, you know, sometimes you watch him, it's hard to doubt that fighting spirit. But yeah, Djokovic going in a heavy favorite here. Yeah, and look, that's why they play the matches because Yoshi Nishioka, let's say Djokovic has any sort of physical ailment, Nishioka is going to, he likes getting his court time. He's going to make that that match as long as he can. So should be a really fun one to watch. That being said, one last thing I want to do with you. We are through two rounds of the opening Grand Slam of the 2020 season. Uh, you know, Four days of fantastic tennis. You finally get to see all the top players in the world on the same stage at once. It's time to give some takes. Right take, wrong take, hot take, whatever it may be. I know we have some summaries from these first two rounds. Some ideas, you know, half-baked ideas cooking in the oven that we want to run by each other. So I want to do that real quickly to end before we get into, obviously, what should be a fantastic day five. Sound good to you, Jamie? All right, Westoff, give me a right take, wrong take, hot take sound effect, please. All right, Jamie, you're the guest. You told me I got to treat you politely, so give me your first take. Ooh, all right, first take. There's a shot that a man and woman from the same country are both taking the singles title. Wow. Well, it's not going to be America. Um, I don't think, although we do have five U.S. men um, in the third round for the first time. Running through some interesting scenarios here. Thinking from country to country. Um, you got potential- good, can I just say, this is, I, it's not a right take, a wrong take, or a hot take. This is just a good take. Appreciate it. So, Germany. Kerber Zverev, interesting. Interesting. For Spain, coming in mm. with a doll or something like that. Don't um, so. Any of the Russians, you guys, you've still got some Russian women on that side, such as one of the Ovas, Pavlyuchenkova, for, for example. <laughs> Semifinalist last year. Yeah, so you've got you've got some people in play. You've also got Alexandrova um, taking on Kvitova, and we already talked about that. They think of set alert. So you've got some options there. What do you think? Shot or no? Okay, I lied. It, it's a good take, but it's also a hot take. A little hot for me. I just... 
I think uh, Serena, Keys, Pliskova, uh, Halep, the people who don't have strong male counterparts, have all looked really good. And Barty. Oh, oh Barty Kyrgios. Barty Kyrgios would be the best. So, and there's another one. Benchich and either Vavrinka or Fed. Oh, that... Okay, you know what? Right take. I'm going to go with the right take. That was a really good one. Hot start, Jamie. I got to live up to that. That was very good. Um, all right. Right take, wrong take, hot take. Right now in the live rankings, here's where these four guys stand. Riley Opelka, number 36. Taylor Fritz, number 35. Tommy Paul, number 69. Francis Tiafo, number 78. After what we've seen this week, Tommy Paul will end as the highest ranked American of those four guys. At the end of this season, hot take, right take, wrong take. It's a hot take. That is a hot take because you've still a he's got a lot of ground to make. B we're talking about somebody you know even like Taylor Fritz who's looked really good so far. That's a hot take. I don't think it's an absurd take, but it's a hot take. Yeah, I, I the thing is you know in theory Tommy Paul's going to get his first shot at a full season of ATP events, and it all so much of it is premised on him staying healthy, right? Or predicated, excuse me. If he's not healthy, none of that matters. Um, but it's interesting. It's just a, it's an it's an interesting thought exercise for you. No, that's fair. That's very fair. All right, you ready for my next one? Always. All right. On the men's side, zero Australians will advance to the fourth round. Bite your tongue. I have too much riding. I'm curious beating Nadal. Not like financially. I know we talk about bet- betting a lot. I'm not a degenerate. I don't bet that often. Um. But I just need the storyline. Kyrgios and Nadal might be my favorite low-key, I mean, not even low-key, favorite rivalry right now on the ATP. And so um, I'm hoping that's the wrong take. I'm going to go with wrong take, just straight up wrong take. But it's interesting you think about it. I mean, Kyrgios has got a tough one to get in there. Hachinov's not an easy one. Yeah, difficult match. And, you know, when we're looking at it, you're probably thinking it favors Kyrgios a little bit, especially with the crowd. But it's in the realm of possibility because it's Kyrgios, Millman, and Popper are really the ones you're looking out for. Bolt wasn't able to pull it off over team. I do want to say I had Alexi Popper in, in my third round on Tourneytopia. I felt good about that one. I think he made the third round here last year. Or maybe it was Bolt who did it last year. But there's always an Australian who makes the third round. Uh, does it apply to Barty, too? Like, if because if... Ah, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, still, I'm going to say wrong take, but not a bad take. Um, all right. Uh, it, it's funny you mentioned Muguruza. I had it on here, given her form, that she's going to win another slam at some point in her career, but I want to table that for after. Uh, let's go with this one here. Given what we've seen from all three of these guys over the past, we'll say, six months in particular, Andre Rublev has the most talent, highest upside of any of the three Russian men. Bad take. Bad take? I think bad take. Wrong take or bad take? Just even worse than wrong take. It's just bad. I mean, there's there's some... There's some stake in it, but I don't think that's I don't think that's fair to what we've seen from Medvedev. That guy has a lot to offer on tennis court, and he's already proved it. Yeah, and no, uh, look, he made a Grand Slam final. Andre Rublev can't say that. All I'm saying is, watching these first three weeks of the season, the fact that Andre Rublev... He looked a little winded in his first match, but he looked so good last night against Sagita and just the the vitriol with which he hits the ball. The fact that I am 100% certain if he is if healthy throughout the remainder of his career, he's going to get 100% out of his talent. Uh, it bodes well. A fun time to be a Russian men's tennis fan, certainly. Yeah. All right. I, I was going to say, I have, I have one more for you uh, that will run today. So give me your last one. All right, my last one, um, a different trio, a trio we've talked about a lot, but this is, I told you about this one, which is Spartak 
by you know some commentators comments this morning um at an early match when nadal was playing so thinking about nadal fed and Djokovic, three guys we've uh, <clears throat> we've mentioned before <laughs> actually three guys we avoid mentioning but sure go on um are they better right now as a whole each one of them than they were 10 years ago oh we've had this debate before off mike uh it's a hot take. It's a hot take. I'm not. It's not right or wrong. It, it it definitely is in the hot category because it's it's so inevitably difficult to prove. You can't tell me someone Novak Djokovic right now is better than he was in 2015. I was there. You know, we watched those matches. That guy, you just you couldn't get a ball by him. You just absolutely could not. And nowadays, Novak Djokovic, he'll throw if he's up big, he'll throw in a between the legs approach shot. He'll let a ball get by him that he doesn't need to. I mean, for Roger Federer to say any thirty-eight year olds better than they were at you know thirty-two, thirty-three is bold. Although he's certainly making the case, I'd say Roth is smarter. But physically, you go back and watch those highlights like we did for the best of the decade series and. Just he was a different animal 10 years ago, um, five years ago. Not right, not wrong, but hot. Okay, fair enough. It was just interesting that it was sparked um, because they were talking about how uh, the commentators were thinking that now that they were definitely better and would beat their former self. And I don't know, when you go back and watch clips from like 2011 fed against Djokovic, yeah, the way they hit the ball is just absurd. And I, it's, it's hard for me to think that them now is actually better. I think they've just sustained a decent level, a good enough level because they were already so insanely good. But yeah, no, this doesn't apply to uh, Federer, but Rafa versus Rafa and Djokovic versus Djokovic ends when one of the players goes off the court in, a, in an ambulance, like just physically, just those guys, monsters. Um, really good takes from Jamie there. Uh, I do have more. I know he has more as well, but we are going to save those for later in the week. Speaking of right take, wrong take, hot take though, you're always making the right take when you go to our friends and our partners at Diadem and Aerobar. Diadem, the place for you to go for all of your tennis gear needs. Of course, players like Carousel, Seku Bangora rocking those gears. And look, as college tennis fans, those are two of the best to do it. So I promise that's the sort of gear if they if it's helping elevate their game. Uh, it will certainly help elevate yours. And of course, it will help keep your your expenses from elevating if you use our promo code CR50 to get 50% off your first order from them. Of course, you can go to their website, diademsports.com to find all of their wonderful gear. Use that promo code. Get yourself rocking some diadem gear. And hey, send us videos of you using it. I want to see the, you know, the proof is in the pudding. You'll see from your forehand. I want to see your forehand improve as well. So uh, shout out to our friends at Diadem. We always say it as well. You'll look good. You'll feel good. Um, in that diadem uh, stuff, but you want to play good as well. And the way you play good is by fueling yourself with the right stuff. Our friends at Aerobar, ensuring that you can do just that. Uh, They have put together the first tennis-specific energy bar, more potassium than a banana. It's never going to melt in your bad, even if you're fighting the suns of the Australian summer, even if you're fighting, you know, the colds of the Michigan winter. It's not going to freeze. It's always going to taste delicious no matter where you're eating it. And so, again, you want 30% off your order there. Use our promo code CRACKED30. That's C-R-A-C-K-E-D-3-0. Get yourself set up and on the right track to start this 2020 season. Of course, the way we stay on the right track here at Cracked Rackets is because of our super producers Max Fleeger, Daniel Westoff, who have a f- of an editing job to do. As you can tell, my microphone just had one of those days like Alex Bolt in the fourth set. It just 
I didn't feel like playing today, so I took that set off. Now, much like all five set matches, it knows this Australian Open down the home stretch. It will bounce back as well, and I can always count on our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, to help me bounce back whenever we have these sort of audio difficulties. So shout out to them. Shout out to the one and only James Foster McDonald, who continues to sacrifice his lunch break to recap these Australian Opens, get you listeners set for day five, and we hope you are just that after this. So for my wonderful co-host, James Foster McDonald, our super producers Max Fliegner, Daniel Westoff, our partners at Diadem Sports and Aerobar, and our entire teams at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.